Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Are you all right? Hello? It's a lot of dead people to raise. If you've all died on us, are you okay? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Oh, goodness. The King is here. The King is here. I said, the King is here. You guys clap more for me than when I said the King is here. Listen, the King deserves much more applause than I do. He's the King of glory. He was crucified on a tree. He has holes in his hands and his feet for eternity as scars and trophies because he died for you and for me. He is the King of glory and he's not a figment of our imagination. He's not a thought. He's not an idea. He's not a concept. He's a man. He's a man. He's a man. And when he stops being a concept and starts being a person, you celebrate when the man comes in the room. He's not a concept. He's a man. And you can feel him when he walks in a room. You can feel the weight of the presence of a person in a room. If you can close your eyes and tell when your kids walk in a room, you can close your eyes and tell when the king of the universe walks in the room. Jesus, the man, is in the room. The man. And when Jesus walks in the room, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Because he is who he has always been. Otherwise, he's a liar. Otherwise, he's a liar. Are you okay? Otherwise, he's a liar. We of all people should have joy. We of all people should have joy. Jesus is here. And Jesus, we worship you. And Jesus, we honor you that you would come. Your scripture says that you are enthroned on the praises of your people. How do you even do that? How do you sit on words and songs and lyrics? I don't know how you do that, but you do. And wherever you are enthroned, nothing else can be enthroned. Wherever you are seated and lifted up, nothing else can be lifted up. Lord, we give you praise in this place. This is a house of worship. This is a house of worship. Lord, we honor you today for your presence in this place. We honor you for your presence in this place, Jesus, and we thank you that you've come. We thank you that you're here, Lord. We thank you for all that you bring with you. Somebody during worship had a, a, a pain in their lower back. Um, I think it's an older injury that you re-injured. And the Lord began to heal that during worship. We don't have to pray for it. The Lord started healing it. Check that out. Thank you, Jesus. You feel that? Do you feel the wave of his presence? 
Yeah, whoever had that lower back issue, that we don't have to pray for it. The Lord himself started to heal it as we worshiped. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Thank you for all that you are. We honor you, Lord. We thank you for the testimonies of this house. You know the Hebrew root word for testimony means to do it again? That's what it means in Hebrew. When the scripture in the Old Testament, which is Hebrew, the root word in Hebrew, it literally means do it again. So when God tells Israel to keep the testimony, he is telling them to keep the story because he wants to do it again. It is not just an uplifting pat on the back, get excited kind of thing. It is God's presence saying what I have done, I will do again. Gosh, my back is on fire. Whose back is it? Whose back is it? Whose back is it? Yours? How's it feel? How does it feel now? Any pain? No pain? Thank you, Lord. My back is on fire. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Well, there it goes. Yep. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's in your Bible. That's 1 Corinthians 12. That's a word of knowledge. That's not weird. That's the Holy Spirit inspiring faith. The scripture says that Jesus is the author of faith. When Jesus wants to elevate your faith so that he can bring you into faith, so that you have enough faith to believe for what he wants to do, he does something like a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or, or something like that. That's a word of knowledge. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. I'm in Song of Solomon today. Not a very common place to be. We're going to stay away from the weird parts, I hope. That's a very smooth transition. Very smooth transition. I don't know what the issue is. Well, Lord was done. We're moving on. Well, I'm in chapter two. Read the whole thing. It's delightful. You and your wife or your husband, read it together. Go home and read it together. Song of Solomon 2. I'm going to read uh, verse 3, and then let's just pray again. It's not going to kill us. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. <laughs> in the shade, in his shade, good Lord, in his shade I took great delight and sat down, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. His fruit was sweet to my taste. I want to talk to you this morning about the delight of prayer. The delight of prayer. Father, you are incredible. We love your presence. Jesus, we thank you that you've come. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts to receive what you have to say today. We want everything that you have for us, Lord. We want every drop of this word. Let it be good seed on good ground. Remove the rocks and the thorns and the thistles. Lord, whatever would prevent this seed from growing into full maturity, remove it now, Lord. And let this seed produce a hundredfold for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about the delight of prayer this morning. If you're new in the kingdom, it's easy to be excited about prayer. If you've been in the kingdom for a while, prayer can be um, 
Prayer can get monotonous. Prayer can get very routine. Prayer can get very scheduled. Um, I, I don't mean scheduled in a sense that you shouldn't have a schedule for prayer. Jensen Franklin says, if you don't have a time and a place for prayer, you won't make room for prayer. I think there's, there's probably some part, part truth in that. I don't mean scheduled in that um, you don't have a time and place for prayer. I mean, prayer can get very, um, prayer can become very mechanical if you're not careful. And nothing in the kingdom is meant to be mechanical. Everything in the kingdom is meant to be relational. Everything in the kingdom is meant to be relational. If this is not a relational journey, it is nothing. It is nothing. If he wanted a bunch of robots to follow rules and directions and instructions and orders, he wouldn't need us to walk hand in hand with him. He could have the creatures to do that. And if you don't think that's true, check out what he said to the Pharisees when they told him to make the people quit worshiping him when he rode into Jerusalem. He said, if they be quiet, the rocks will open up their mouths and start singing praises. So he can make rocks sing praises. He could have them follow directions and rules and instructions. He wants us to walk hand in hand, to walk in a relational journey. The problem is when it comes to a topic like prayer, we are looking for help so much that we're, we're finding books that say the three steps or the 10 tips or the 12 methods to the best prayer life or the easiest prayer life or the fill in the blank prayer life. And it becomes a very mechanical thing. And it was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be that. It was always meant to be a relational journey. On the other side of that coin, so that's heads. On the other side of that coin, we have what prayer can Sorry, we have what prayer can sometimes become, and it becomes, um, it becomes not about Jesus. It becomes about all the other things. In this vein of Christianity, and I mean charismatic, get after it, Pentecostal, love you guys to death, and I'm one of them. Listen, I'm all for it. But what we sometimes fall into is we are the intercessor, prayer team, warrior. And listen, I'm all for it. Be on the prayer team, be an intercessor, be a warrior. But what we sometimes do, don't get mad at me, is we'll take a couple verses from Paul and we'll make our entire prayer time about casting down and casting out and calling out. And we'll forget to tell Jesus we love him. We'll forget to tell Jesus we love him. And if I spend 30 minutes with the Lord and 29 of them are about everything the devil is doing and I forget to tell Jesus that I love him and thank him for all he's done for me, that's not prayer. That's not prayer. Prayer is the mingling of my heart with his. That's not prayer. It might be complaining. It might be a lot of talking, but it's not prayer. So I want to talk to you about the delight of prayer, okay? Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. When you go to pray, you are what is up for grabs is your attention. It is your attention that is up for grabs. Hear me. It's not your words that are up for grabs. It is your attention. Because you can be talking about the Lord and not thinking about the Lord. Does that make sense? 
You can spend 30 minutes talking about Jesus and not once think about Jesus. How many of you have left a, a time of prayer, left a, a moment of prayer, realizing you talked a lot about Jesus and never once talked to Jesus? Because in order to talk to Jesus, you got to be thinking about Jesus. And the bride or the Shulamite in Song of Solomon says there is a whole forest of trees, but there is one tree that is desirous. There is one apple tree that is desirous. And it is the one tree that the bride is giving her affection and her attention to. It's the only one worth running to. There is only one tree worth running to, and it's Jesus. Only one. Only one. Listen, it is easy to run into prayer and throw up your list of concerns and throw up your list of cares and throw up your list of worries and throw up your list of stuff that's going on. Listen, I got three kids. I get it. I get it. I have a mountain of stuff from one kid, the oldest primarily. We're working on it. I'm working on it, I should say. I'm working on it. But it is my job to run into the forest and run to the one tree that is Jesus himself. Not to run to Jesus to bring him my stuff, but to run to Jesus because that tree itself is beautiful. That tree itself is wonderful. That tree itself is fragrant. That tree itself, not because of what the tree can provide me, not because of what the tree offers me, but because that tree and that tree alone is the tree that I desire more than all the other trees. Is there fruit on the tree? Absolutely. But the fruit cannot be, can be my main concern. If the fruit is my main concern, then I've come to the tree for the wrong reason. Here's the crazy part though. You want to know the crazy part? If I come to the tree for the fruit, he'll feed me anyway. If I only come to the tree for the fruit, he'll feed me anyway. He loves me so much that if I run to him and all I bring him is my junk, he'll feed me anyway. But his heart will break the whole time. His heart will break. How do I know? Because he told Martha, one thing is needed. One thing is needed. And he's looking for a Mary to sit at his feet and to spend time with him. Will he feed me later? Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But I can run to him and get food and make the mistake that I had a true encounter with him. Does that make sense? I can make the mistake that I was truly in a relationship with him. Matthew 7, we cast out demons in your name. We, let's fit it in, spoke in tongues in your name. We ran around in your name. We did the stuff in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew you. That's the rebuke of Matthew 7. See ya, I never knew you. That's horrific. How did they get the stuff without knowing him? Because he is good enough that he holds his hand out, hoping that when you see the stuff, you run in to sit at his feet. Yes. To sit at his feet. But his feet are the prize. 
He is the reward. Remember, I am your exceeding and great reward. He is the reward, not the stuff. Don't get tempted by the fruit. Don't get tempted by the fruit. Run to the tree because the tree is beautiful. What's interesting in the Hebrew, that word for, for, for apple tree, it just means apple tree. But the root word that it comes from, it means fragrant. It talks about the beautiful aroma that comes from the blossoms of the apple tree. Why? Because Jesus wants to be with you so much that he draws you to himself. He draws you to himself. So when you wake up in the morning, you go, gosh, it'd be a good idea to pray or a good idea to read my Bible or it'd be a good idea to tell the Lord, good morning. I remember my grandfather, he would wake up every morning and say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And every night at bed, he'd say, good night, Father. Good night, Jesus. Good night, Holy Spirit. And I thought, gosh, that's a lot to keep up with. <laughs> I'm just worried about getting my teeth brushed. But he would do it every day. Every day, every time I was there, he would do it every day. Why? Because something inside of him began to put up an aroma. Something began to put up an aroma and he would catch it in his spirit and go, oh, something's drawing me. And his affection would turn towards the Lord. And he would go, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. And that's more of like what it sounded like. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And if you were in the room, you knew he was saying it not to the air, but to a man who was standing there. He draws us to himself because he wants to be with us so much. Okay. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. In his shade, I took great delight and sat down. So I want to spend some time. In his shade, I took great delight and I sat down. I don't think a lot of us have a trouble with understanding that we're supposed to come to Jesus. Most of us get that. But it's finding his shade and taking delight. The purpose of prayer is delight. The purpose of prayer is delight. The purpose of prayer is not breakthrough. I know that wrecks our American Christianity, but the purpose of prayer is not breakthrough. The purpose of prayer is not getting my need met. The fruit of prayer is getting my need met or breakthrough or deliverance or healing, whatever it is. But the purpose of prayer is not breakthrough. That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is being with him. And in being with him, there is great delight. There is great pleasure in being with him. There is great joy in being with him. Notice that it doesn't say that there is joy in the breakthrough. The joy comes from being with him. I know we talked about joy a few weeks ago. I don't know how long ago it was now. I'm guessing a few weeks ago. But if the joy only comes from the breakthrough, then where do you turn for joy when the breakthrough hasn't come? Where do you turn for joy when you're waiting on the breakthrough? Here's a little secret. Some prayers get answered in the kingdom automatically. Some prayers in the, king, in the kingdom come with delayed answers because they build up interest and you have to steward a character so that you can carry the answer. And if it's one of those answers, what do you do for joy while you're waiting on the breakthrough? If God is building character in you so that you can carry the weight 
of whatever that answer is, where do you turn for joy if your only joy is breakthrough? You have nowhere to go. The joy has to come from the person who is Christ Jesus. It has to come from drawing near and sitting under the shade that is the nearness of being with him. Listen, I know it's not a rah-rah message, but this is what you signed up for. Isaiah, the prophet, mighty man of God, who's prophesying this, that, and the other. You know what he said? He said to Israel that your husband is your maker. You married Jesus when you asked him to come and wash your sins away. And now your husband wants to sit with you in the shade under a tree. That's what he wants. And as Pastor Mike said, he paid the bill, so he's the boss. This is what he wants. He wants to sit with you. I can feel that. And for all the manly men in the room, I can feel it. I'm not married to the Lord. Yes, you are. Yeah, you are. If the daughters in the room can all be the sons of God, then you get to be the bride of Christ. There you go. There you go. There is nothing more manly in the world than to say, I am unable in of myself. So I trust the one who hung on a tree and died for me and bled out of his side and his hands and his feet and his back and his head and his face and grew a beard so they could rip it from his cheeks. He didn't have to grow a beard, but he grew a beard so they could rip it out of his face. And he has invited us and implored us to come and sit under the shade of his presence. That word for shade there, it's also used in Psalm 91, verse 1, for shadow. It is the nearness of being with him. Can't, Pastor Matt preached this years ago. I don't even know how long ago it's been now. He preached, he preached about the nearness of being with him. About how you can't get under somebody's shadow unless you're near how a shadow denotes the nearness of being with someone. We've got to be near to Jesus to be in his shadow. We've got to be near to him to be in his shadow. And we come into his shadow. We get near to him. We come near to him. And in that place of nearness, there is great delight. But your flesh will tell you you've got to do a bunch of stuff to find delight. Your flesh will tell you you've got to throw up your needs and throw up your request and give up all your stuff and tell him about your anxiety and tell him about your worry. Your flesh will fight just being with Jesus. If you don't believe me, try it. That's why he said, come in under the shade, find delight and sit down and sit down. Why do you have to sit down? Because your flesh has to die in his presence. Your flesh has to die in his presence. Again, not a rah-rah message, but this is the life of living in fellowship with him. Your flesh can do nothing in his presence. Your flesh has to submit to his presence so that he, through you, can pray what he wants to pray. What did Paul say in Romans 8? We have no idea what we want to pray or what we need to pray as we ought. So we come into his presence, we yield to his presence, and then we sit down. 
We sit down because getting still in his presence is where he works best. And when we are still in his presence, when we are quiet in his presence, I'm not talking about literally sitting down unless you need to literally sit down. Sometimes I need to literally sit down, but I'm talking about a posture that says, I'm not here to do anything but be with you and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in just being with Jesus. I'm not here to give you my anxiety or my worries or my fears. I'm just here to be with you because being with you is enough. Being with you is enough. Being with you is enough. And as we sit down, he changes us. Paul said that in the glory, we go from glory to glory. It is only in that place that we're transformed. Second Corinthians three, it says in the glory, as we behold his glory, as in a mirror, we are transformed from glory to glory. We can only go from glory to glory as we sit in his glory and behold his glory. You can't behold his glory when you're talking about your problems. You can't behold his glory when you're talking about your worries. You can't behold his glory when you're talking about the things that are going on in your life. Listen, I'm not saying the Lord isn't concerned about those things. What I'm saying is true transformation happens when I say I've got all this stuff going on. I'm not ignoring it. But what I'm doing is I'm choosing to put you first. I'm choosing to put you first. And it's important because what happens in private spills over in public. I'm going up here for this, but it's important because the way I pray affects the way I worship. You promise you won't get mad? Two of you. The way I pray affects the way I worship, which by the way, worship is prayer according to Jesus in the New Testament. But the way I pray in private affects the way I worship corporately. So if I go into prayer in private and the only thing or the first thing I talk about is everything I need, then when I come into worship corporately, the only thing or the first thing I'm talking about is my need. That means we get halfway through the first verse. Promise you won't get mad. I get halfway through the first verse and I run up front. I get halfway through the first chorus and I run up front. I get halfway through the first song and I run up front. It's not that the Lord doesn't care about my need. It's that that says something. It says I care less about worshiping right now than I do about this thing that's hanging on me. And will the Lord move in that circumstance? Absolutely he'll move. He'll feed. He'll supply. He'll provide. So don't get mad at me. If he's going to be preeminent in all things, he has to be preeminent in the one thing that matters. And that is the overflow of my heart, which is worship. It is worship. And if we are to be a house that goes further in worship, it comes from, gosh, I feel everybody frustrated. It's got to come from a place that says we've got stuff going on. Certainly we've got stuff going on but we are going to put it on the back burner for a moment and worship the king and worship the king. Listen, this is not the official stance of theology. This is the official stance of Brandon. So if you're mad at me, don't you dare write a letter. 
You hear me? If you're mad at me, you come to me. That's what Matthew 18 says. If you're mad at me, don't talk about me behind my back. Come to me. We can deal with it. We'll talk about it. But I'm saying if we want to go deeper into God, if we want to see more of God, we have to be a people that say, yeah, I got stuff going on. But Jesus is more worthy than the junk going on. He's more worthy. He is more worthy than whatever is piled up in my life. There is a mountain of stuff that is laying at my bedside table and it will sit there until King Jesus gets his glory. And there will come a moment in the presence when the Holy Spirit says, now, now, have you ever noticed how short Jesus's prayers were? Lazarus, come forth. Little girl, arise. Why? Because when that moment comes and the Lord prompts us to pray, it doesn't take straining. It doesn't take effort. It doesn't take laboring. When the Lord says now the time, now is the time. And those things begin to break. Those things begin to move. I'm saying if we want more of God, it will come because we pursue more of God. Not because we pursued him moving in more of our stuff. Promise you're not man. It felt good to say. I'm going to be honest. Felt good to say. So as my beloved among the young men in his shade, I took great delight and I sat down and his fruit was sweet to my taste. His fruit was sweet to my taste. He has never forgotten how to be a good shepherd. He has never forgotten how to be a good shepherd. He has never forgotten how to feed his sheep or to care for his sheep. The scripture says, has he who made the eye, can he not see? Hath he who made the ear, can he not hear? He has never forgotten the needs of his people. All he's asking for is somebody to love on him first. The fruit comes after I submit to being with him for just being with him first. He feeds me. Fruit that is from the tree that is him. He feeds me fruit from this tree. But the fruit comes after I say, I don't need the stuff. Brother James was teaching this morning. And I think it's funny that we were both talking about the same thing. He was talking this morning about David. And I think I talked about this a few weeks ago when I got up to do the gospel presentation. David's son is dying. David says, I'm going to fast. And the Lord may move or the Lord may not move. And if he moves, thank God. And if he doesn't move, I'm going to the house of the Lord and I'm going to worship the Lord. Why? Because David wanted God. He wanted God more than he wanted his son raised. He wanted God. Abraham, Abraham climbs a mountain and is willing to sacrifice his son. Why? Because Abraham wanted God more than he wanted his son. Paul says later in the New Testament, he said, Abraham was convinced that God could even raise the dead and bring his son back to life if he had to. It is not, it is not that God doesn't care about the need. It is that when I crawl up in his lap and say, I want you more than I want anything, it does something to his heart. It touches a place in him that nothing else can touch. Only his, this part of his creation can touch that place of his heart. Only this part of his creation. His fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to his banquet hall and his banner over me is love. 
Refresh me with raisin cakes and sustain me with apples. You remember what kind of tree it was? It's an apple tree. Where do the apples come from? Come from the apple tree. That word for sustain is to literally, it's to hold up. It's to prop up. It's to keep up. It's not just that he feeds you with the fruit from himself. It is that the very fabric that holds your life up is the fruit that comes from being with him. Listen, I don't know how to say this. There is temporary fruit you can find in him by just running to his hand. Remember the story of the 10 lepers? Remember, he said, you're healed. Go and show yourself. One of them realizes on the way as they're going that he's been made well. And he runs back to Jesus and falls at his feet. And Jesus says, wasn't there 10 of you? He says, wasn't there 10 of you? And he says, you've been made whole. Now, hang on a second. Why did he say to the one that ran back, you've been made whole? Because, because there was a different level of fruit that was available to him. I don't know what it looks like, but there is a temporary fruit if you run to his hand for just his hand. But for those who run to him to touch his heart, there's a different level of fruit. It is a sustaining fruit. It is a keeping fruit. It is the type of fruit that makes you immovable in this life. And it is the type of fruit that keeps people when they've gone through years of hell and it feels like their life should fall apart. And you think, how are they still coming to church? How are they still waking up in the morning? It is because they have ran to him for him. They've ran to him for him. That fruit doesn't come if you're looking for his hand. It only comes if you're looking to touch his heart. If you're looking to move his heart, you can find the fruit in his hand, but it's a temporary fix. His hand is meant to point you to his heart. He wants you to love his heart. But for those who find his heart, they are immovable. Power comes to those who find his heart. Paul says in Colossians that the power of the Holy Spirit is given for endurance. There is an endurance that comes on those who find his heart and eat from the fruit of this marriage encounter. I know that may sound weird, but that's what it is. It is an encounter that is deeper and more pure and more rich than God get me over this bill then God get me through this circumstance and God get me out of this job or God heal this sickness. It's a deeper, more rich, more sustaining encounter that says, God, if you come, I'll worship you. And God, if you don't come, I'll praise you. It's a fruit that makes you immovable. It's a fruit that changes generations. Oh, it's not the kind of fruit that just lasts for a moment. This is the fruit from the trees that are planted by the river. Their leaves never wither and they have fruit all year long.
feel the Lord searching for people to love him. hasn't forgotten about your stuff. Oh, never once has he forgotten about your stuff. Your name is tattooed on his hand. How could he forget about your stuff? Oh, but he's looking for somebody to care for his heart. He's looking for somebody to crawl up in his lap and say, what do you want to talk about today? What's breaking your heart today? What are you rejoicing over today? Who's on your mind today? Can I just sit here with you for a while? I don't have to say a word. (laughs) We need less talking. More breaking his presence. We need more sitting at his feet, hanging on every word that he says, on every word that he says. If his words are spirit and life, then why don't I shut up for a while? God, what a God, what a God, what a God. What a King. King. That I might know you, the power of your resurrection. I might share in your sufferings, feeling like you in your death. Jesus. See?
see this beautiful man. He's got holes in his hands.
Lord, don't let the talk of this house be the great musicians or the great teaching or preaching. God, don't let the talk of this house be the great amenities or the great structure, but let the talk of this house be that we are head over heels in love with Jesus. That we have fallen in love with the man Jesus. trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.